Your life experience, good or bad, is a gift when you share it with others. At Taxi Chronicles, we allow real riders with real stories to share their gift. So hopefully this episode will intrigue, enhance or inspire you. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe. Morning, morning, morning. Yes, we're back with another episode and another rider. Today we are honoured to have a lawyer in the house. And she's going to, the lovely lady is going to tell us all about what it's like being a lawyer and her route to becoming a lawyer. So for those who are interested in working in the industry, uh, let's listen to what the lady has to say and take it from there. So nice to have you here today, Sally. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here too. So tell me, what made you want to be a lawyer? The main driver for me to becoming a lawyer was actually social justice and um, to try to make a difference because I think that the law is a very powerful tool and you can use it to great effect if you know how to use that tool well. And at the beginning I thought I wanted to be a criminal defence barrister um, to defend people who uh, are probably at the bottom rungs of society and who don't get a fair a fair hearing in our criminal justice system in this country but I quickly found out that it wasn't going to be easy to do that because there's not much funding to support you through law school um, to become a criminal barrister so I did in the end the absolute opposite of that and I became a commercial solicitor um, and I now work in-house doing commercial um, litigation so disputes of all kinds arbitration international arbitration cases um, commercial litigation cases but luckily enough um, I was still able to do what I wanted to do originally pro bono which means you don't get paid for it and so for the whole 20 plus years that I've been a of being a solicitor I've still done lots of pro bono work um, notably death penalty defense work in the US and in the Caribbean Um, so I still managed to do those cases that I always wanted to do but not not as a criminal defense lawyer in the UK you you spoke about the desire to help the downtrodden or the misfortune where does that that come from a bad experience or someone you know um, it comes really from my parents. I mean, I'm originally from Wales and my my mother was um, a very, very strong proponent of um, standing up for the weakest in society. She had a very strong social conscience um, and so she really inspired me to want to to use to use the law um, as a tool, as I say, to to give people the rights that they very often um, they're entitled to, but they don't always. They're not always able to exercise. You spoke about the death penalty in the Caribbean. I, I don't know. My parents being Jamaican or heritage being Jamaican, we don't have the death penalty. So Jamaica hasn't used the death penalty for quite a while. But when I was um, when I qualified, when I was a trainee, and then I qualified, um, both Trinidad and Jamaica used the death penalty, um, and there are many 
people or the vast majority of people now have had their sentences commuted to mandatory life sentences but I worked on um, two quite well-known cases um, in Trinidad I didn't do so much Jamaican work myself but there, there were other people in the group of lawyers that I was working with at the time who did do who did do um, a lot of work in Jamaica yeah what kind of crimes were these people accused of? So they're all murder crimes um, because um, there was a mandatory, uh, mandatory life. Uh, sorry, mandatory death sentence originally um, for crimes in in a number of Caribbean uh, countries. But the the reason that I was involved in those was because their final court of appeal was the Privy Council in London, so they needed representation at the Privy Council. What's the Privy Council? The Privy Council was the final court of appeal, criminal court of appeal for a number of Caribbean states. Okay. Can you explain the legal process of how things would work? If someone's accused, they're going to court. So they they have a trial in the, in the country. Uh, in, if you're talking about the Caribbean, yeah, they have a trial in that country. They then have an appeal in that country. And then if they wish to appeal the final step of appeal would would be the Privy Council in London okay. which was a bit like the House of Lords used to be which is now the Supreme Court in the UK okay. Okay. but now you deal with corporate law that's my, my, my day job is corporate law yeah okay that's interesting, that's interesting. what would you say you've learnt oh, over the years that huge you wish you knew when you started huge amounts of things uh so much um learn to be patient learn to be um resilient because there are lots of ups and downs along the way um but to always have your goals clear and your personal integrity is so important so if you uh, if you lose your personal integrity, then um, you don't stand up for what's right, you don't speak out when you need to speak out, then it can become very difficult. So um, I think being, never give up as well. Um, and uh, I've worked on a case of somebody in, and going back to the death penalty defence work that I do in my spare time, if you like, um, worked on a Texas case which um the person was on death row for 40 years and he came out last year should never have been on death row in the first place that, um i wonder if that's in social media that's probably in social media that case it looks like that rings a bell that yeah of texas it can ring many bells yeah yeah there's, there's many similar cases but yeah and that one it has so many ups and downs to it and great wins and then devastating losses along the way but yes. at the end of the day we got the justice that he deserved and so that one that case really made me feel never ever give up when you think it's all too much and you're not going to get what you're aiming to get which was justice in this case to just keep going and eventually if you're dogged enough mm. you can get what you're working for so I take it you're not an advocate for the death penalty um, under any circumstances? No, I'm not, no. It's funny, because I was, as a father and a grandfather, 
there's one thing I'm an advocate for the death penalty for, and that's paedophilia. I think when a grown man takes out his inner frustrations in that sense on a real minor, and, and you're kind of caught red-handed, I don't see how... I think it's one of those things, it's like an instant dismissal at work. Mm -hmm. You've just got to go. It's a horrific, horrific crime which will, you know, leave lasting, lifelong damage to the victim. I totally get that. But uh, I think you have to, I think as a society, we have to be better than the worst of the worst crimes. Um, and usually, very often in those cases, you will find people have um, been abused themselves. Uh, uh, Shouldn't they know better then? I think that they're so damaged very often that they... Um, and probably have not got the treatment that they needed or the help, the support that they needed to, to, to overcome that. I, I mean, I totally agree with you that paedophilia is beyond the pale, but I don't think as any society has the right to take um, somebody's life. And I do believe in, I do believe that none of us are, uh, we're all better than our very one single worst act that we've ever done, and we're all capable the vast majority of people are capable of rehabilitating to a certain degree and if they're not then they have to be they have to be in psychiatric hospital or whatever for the rest of their lives but I think as a society we have to be better than the, better than what we contem condemn as the worst crimes okay that's interesting interesting I've heard that chain of thought before um, <laughs> I want to agree with you. No. I do think from my experience in the military and coming from children's home, that it's not something I give quarter to, but then I'm not a politician. So I don't <laughs> Nor am noise. I. I'm not a politician either. But that leads <laughs> on to my next question. Mm -hmm. As lawyers, you, you kind of um, create a standard, like the Uber case, legal case. Yes. That yes. was a standard of residence. Yes, yes. Do you, because you must see a lot of things and see that some things are really wrong and blah, blah, blah. Do you get to set a standard? How, how does that president Law set? Is so that lawyers judge? don't. No, most of it is set by legislation, which is put through parliament. And in that, in the case of the, of, um, the, the uh, case against Uber, um, that was already existing, in fact, European um, uh, law and standards which it you know which under european employment standards it, it was never okay to really treat uber drivers as if they were not uh, they were not employees um and so it took somebody taking that to applying the existing law it wasn't new law that was created there it was it was ensuring that um uber adhered to existing employment law standards okay. yeah what would you say to a young person who wants to go into the legal profession i would say absolutely if you've got the if you've got the drive and you've got the commitment it's you know a lot of study it's um uh, it it can be you know there are a huge number of different areas of specialism that you can go into you can go into the commercial bar or be a commercial solicitor you can be 
um, a criminal solicitor or a criminal barrister um, within commercial the commercial spheres there's a whole host of different things you can specialize in you might not know what you want to specialize in so keep your options open and um, uh, try to learn as much as you can about lots of different areas so for example IT um, intellectual property um, you can do real estate law you can do um, competition law you can do litigation you can do um, mergers and acquisitions where one company buys another um, there's a whole host of different areas that um, people could consider um, specializing in and if they've already got an interest in any of that then they you know they for example sports law that's one that a number of people young people find very interesting um, and which um, one is the biggest payout uh, tax probably <laughs> yeah well tax barristers get very well paid yeah okay, yeah so if you're motivated by money if you're motivated by a tax barrister yeah that's it yeah okay. if you could do it all again would you and if you um would you do it the same um, I had a very um, uh, um, sort of unconventional um, route to the law. I, I, I um, decided that I wanted to be a lawyer after I'd been working for a while. So I went back and did the conversion course after I'd been working for like eight years. Um, so, and I wouldn't change anything, no, because I think I, I think I learned a lot before I became a lawyer, and then. But having the law as a tool um, to do to make things happen and to change things um, has been great. So I would know I wouldn't change anything. I, I'm happy with my experience before I became a lawyer, and now that I am a lawyer, I'm happy with the work that I do. Okay, that's yeah. good. Cost effective. Obviously, things cost a lot of money to study nowadays. Yeah. Um, I've spoken to paramedics. I've spoken to. Um, was it behavior therapists mm. and they say there's a cost-effective way of getting into their industry even teaching where you don't have to do a degree that's going to put you in debt you can do on-site training and at the end you get the equivalent of a degree or i think it's a degree but you've got page you've got experience yes you've got qualification is there something like that there is a or? route that it's not that usual but there is a route to um becoming a paralegal um and then becoming and then qualifying as a solicitor um after that um and some people do go that route and, and, and very successfully go that route um so but if you uh to get the solicitor qualification the vast majority of people have a degree it doesn't have to be a law degree but mm -hmm. a degree and then you have to do if you've got if you've got a law degree you then have to do one year of um professional uh study and, and an exam at the end of it if you um if you have a non-law degree you have to do a conversion course for a year and then you have to do the legal professional qualification um so if you go into the commercial sphere, sphere you can get sponsorship from um, law firms, uh, certainly in London and possibly elsewhere, I'm not sure, um, to, to help you through the professional qualification bit. Um, so one thing to bear in mind is you don't have to have a law degree to become a lawyer, and so people might prefer to 
to do a different degree and then and think about law later and I would see that I would say law is a is a tool to be at you know it's an extra tool to you to your box of tricks that you that you can use to, to give you lots of options you know you as a lawyer you can work in-house for companies or you can work um, in private practice so there it gives you a lot of options okay. that's good. That's good. yeah it's been an interesting interview you've been a great guest my last question which is a generic one but i kind of think you've answered it but just in case we have Aspects that I haven't I've overlooked. What's the impact you want to have on the world? What's the lives? impact I want to have on, on the world? Um, oh, um, I like to inspire. Um, particularly, I've got a lot of godchildren and uh, a daughter, uh, and I like to inspire them to be the best that they can. I get a lot of. Um, a, a lot of joy out of um, the people that I support. Um, uh, I would like to see us moving to in this country uh, to be more international in our outlook, to be more open-minded. Um, so no more Brexit. No more Brexit. <laughs> no. Hey, I loathe. I loathe Brexit. Um, I think it's the absolutely biggest mistake we've ever done um so it's not that is not the world that i want to see and i i think um the impact i'd like to have is to have people more open-minded and actually to encourage as many people as possible to be as kind as possible to the people that they they come into contact with so i am a great believer in kindness and the power of being kind Okay, well, thanks a lot. Thank you. Oh, last question. Oh, is, no, um, yeah. no, I just realised, what degree should people do if they're going to do a degree? I think the most important thing for a degree is to do a degree that you're really into, that, that you really enjoy and that you, gives you, that's going to give you, um, you've got to enjoy a degree. There's no point in doing a degree, a degree for the sake of it because that's what you think will necessarily get you best job do the do a degree if you if you're going to take the time and spend the money on a degree do a degree that you will you'll get out of bed in the morning and think yeah I'm really enjoying learning this and after that you can you can you can adapt you can take more qualifications you can you can use it in many different ways um, I, I I did Chinese as my degree okay. <laughs> um, because I was interested in learning Chinese, so I think you can you can um, you can choose your degree in terms of what you think will stimulate you, and then exactly. move on from there. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot thanks. for that. Cheers. And we wish you well. Thank you very much. And you're we hope you like that Taxi Chronicles interview. Don't forget to share and subscribe to get the latest episode. Ever considered investing in a continent with the fastest growing economies and population on Earth? The same continent that holds 30% of the world's known natural resources. Listen to our sister podcast, Africa Investor Stories, where you hear real investors with real stories from around the world share their experience of investing in Africa. We post Monday and Thursday at 10am British Standard Time.